All right, another Pet Chat rolls around, and it is the ladies of Pet Chat today. Dr. Fiona, your first uh, run, crack at it for the year. Yes, welcome. You're looking. No, I'm, I was already. Sorry, here. yes, I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> Welcoming me to where I've been all day. Um, so you're after a cracker. And Cheryl Shaw, hello. Hello. Now, we have to check. We always have to check the brooch. Okay. So. Always looks like Remembrance Day over there. You've got like the little. You know, I have. I've got some weeds from the garden. Yeah, okay. And on the brooch is some clover. So we're going to be talking about allergies in the environment that affect our dogs. Ah, that makes sense. Did you pick that, Fiona? I wasn't quite sure where we were going with it, but yes, that certainly makes sense you, now. You were able to pick the, the plant that was in there, though. You yes. got that right? So. Yes. Excellent. Chris at Salamander Bay, there's uh, been a bit of a change in your three-year-old dog. What's going on, Chris? Okay, my three-year-old uh, little dog, she's mostly toy poodle, but does have Maltese shih tzu. Yeah. Very, very placid. Everybody comments how easy going. Yes. She's a very good traveller, and I take her as much as possible in the car. And in recent times, she's become really quite a fierce watchdog in the car, growling and getting agitated at people on the street and what have you, and very out of character, and where I just would like some advice how I can sort of tone her down. Yeah, absolutely. So how long would you say it's been happening for, Chris? Probably in the last couple of months. What's happened is I go to a friend, you know, sort of every day that I care for at the end of each day. Mm. She comes with me and things on those trips. And because it's so routine and daily, this is where she's taken on a different mantra. So has anything happened to the dog? Was it traumatised? Did it get a fright in the car? Did something happen that you're aware of, Chris? No, no. No, okay. No, it's just complete. She did have a major trauma to her head from something falling on her when she was 18 months. Yeah. She miraculously came through, but it didn't affect her temperament. It's only been in this last couple of months on my trip, you know, sort of at 5 o'clock in the evening going out, where this, as I say, it's quite fiercely guard dog behaviour. And is she, so she's acting this way towards people inside the car or outside the car? No, outside the car. No, inside the car, she's absolutely gentle and wagging a tail. It's mm-hmm. uh, looking as we drive along with people walking along the footpath or wherever. Yep. And she growls and gets agitated and sounds like a rottweiler. So <laughs> if you were to take a trip in the car, Chris, at, say, 10am on a more, in a morning somewhere totally different, what would she be like in the car? Yeah, she's actually, it's funny you should say that. I've got her in the car now. She's much better. It's on this trip in the afternoon. Is the trip in the afternoon with this other person, is that the only time the other person is in the car? The other person's not in the car. What oh, happens is that I drive to the destination. Okay. She waits in the garage and what have you for me while I'm looking after the other person. Yep. And, and then we go home. That's been our daily ritual so that the car in these recent months has been like her home for that few hours in the afternoon. Yeah, and is she behaving in the aggressive way while you're driving to the person's house or just once you're there? No, um, to and from. So okay. Is it, um, yeah. All right, but while she's there, while the car's parked, she's not showing these signs oh, of aggression? No. no, 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 absolutely settled. The car is like her second home. Okay, so it literally is just this particular to and from trip in the car. Every other time she's in the car, she's fine. Yes. Okay. She's got in her head for some reason that she has to be a protector um, when you're going to this person's place and home from this person's place. Um, Is she normally in the front seat, the back seat, a crate? How does she normally travel in the car? 
No, she's in the back seat with her seat belt and on a large cushion so she can see out the window. And is that different to previously or that's just normal no. for her? No, no. She's been an excellent traveller, great, great little roadie and things. It's only this trip, it's interesting you say, perhaps in leaving her in the car in the garage with the windows open and things, it's all yeah, cool. Yeah. But for that couple of hours, perhaps that's given her more of a territorial you know, sort of feel? Yeah, look, you could be on the money, Chris. Um, what I would be doing now that we've had this conversation, I'll be very, very interested for you to try a couple of different different things. Maybe you go a different route. Maybe you go at a slightly different time. Maybe you mix it up in some capacity to try and see if you can change her behaviour at all. If you're not having luck, I would definitely be um, getting some behaviour advice, um, whether working with a dog trainer or speaking to your vet, just about um, some things you can put into place. Because if it really is that specific um, journey that she has the issue with, the last thing we want it to do is turn into every time she gets in the car. Wow. Look, I must say how interesting these little beings are. And how, you know, sort of they see their world. Oh, yeah, they get something in their head and then they, they just get a bit fixated on it sometimes. Chris, there's a couple okay. of other things that you might like to try. One of the things, when you're doing that trip of an afternoon, just remove the cushion from underneath the dog so that we don't have access to viewing outside quite so much and it could take a lot of that stimulus that's creating the barking away. Um, just on that trip you can use it for other trips where she's not barking and the other thing is when you are at your destination maybe trying to um, remove the dog from the car and putting it in a crate just so that it takes that guarding out of the situation that's a fantastic idea thank you yes okay try it and let us know all right, I will because it's so interesting in their learned behaviour. That's why I wanted your guys, you know, sound advice. I can put that into place. So I'll come back and let you know how it goes over the next couple of weeks. Good Fantastic. Luck. Thanks, Chris. Pet Chat continuing. Cheryl Shaw is here, as is Dr. Fiona. And a lot of chatter around this particular time of this exact day, ladies. Mm. Valentine's Day, it probably means a bit of chocolate flowing around. Yeah, look, you know, chocolate and dogs, they just never mix under any circumstances. But you know, maybe there is a bit of extra chocolate floating around the house or, a you know, a beautiful, beautiful wrapped box of gourmet chocolate sitting on the bench tonight or whatever it may be. Just keep it out of reach of the dogs. Put mm. it on the bench. Don't forget if it's in your handbag. Don't forget if it's on the dresser at the front door. Just keep it out of reach of the dogs. Yeah, because they'll sniff it out. They eh? will. <laughs> I Won't this, be a good ending. I know this is kind of your favourite um, topic for any holiday. That Cheryl, <laughs> you, I know that you've got the the topic for like, like chocolate, chocolate for dogs, etc. It's laminated, and you just bring it out at Christmas. <laughs> it's Easter. always appropriate. Oh, absolutely, always appropriate. Well, the thing is, we're trying to just educate people about no chocolate with dogs. It end up at the vets, and then they have to have a little vomit, and things aren't yeah, always prevention. So great. Prevention is always better than a cure. And if your dog does happen to eat chocolate, call your vet straight away. Um, all the information is super helpful. What what chocolate it is, what type of chocolate it is, how much they've eaten, and if there's any left, so you can bring to the vet to you know help them along. From an evidence point of view, not from, <laughs> not from a here you can have eat the rest of the block of chocolate. No, well not not for the part of the block where the dog's been eaten. I'm not suggesting that. So you just sort of. Cut it, break it off at the slobber, slobbery end and just yeah, eat the, the rest. The slobbery end can go away and you can just eat the rest. So, <laughs> or yeah. not, whatever. Hey, vets, are, <laughs> vets, you guys are people too. You like chocolate? We do, but usually not the evidence. 
Fair point. Now, um, I know we've got some calls coming through in a moment, so we'll try and get to those. But, ladies, quickly, Valentine's Day, um, anything exciting happening for you both? We don't do Valentine's Day no. um, in our house. We do have a lovely dinner plan coming up, but I'm not going to make it a, a, a thing. A thing. Yeah. yeah, that's why having kids will do to you, hey? <laughs> Probably <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. No, no exotic chocolate laying around at no, Dr. Jonas? No, absolutely not. And, Cheryl, I think just because of the time, you just don't believe in chocolate. Oh, I do that- like chocolate, but um, I don't like the commercialism of yeah, yeah. Valentine's Day. Yeah. The ladies are here, Cheryl Shaw, as is Dr. Fiona, heading to Ellie Barnard. G'day, Leanne. Uh, what's happening with uh, your dog there, Leanne? Okay, well, my dog um, was diagnosed with pancreatitis on Monday. She was ill over the weekend, vomiting and diarrhea and whatnot. Yeah. yeah. Um, and anyway, we were on holidays, so my husband took her to the, the vet and they put her on some medication and whatnot. But, um, you know, the vet said, I wasn't there, but the vet said to my husband, oh, do you give her scratch? and, you know, sort of, you know, fatty food. And yep. we, we don't do any of that. I'm just wondering what, what I might be doing wrong and, and what's changed. Like, I give her a treat for the morning, a couple of smackos and just, like, the joint mobility thing, because she's 11, mm-hmm. from, like, chem, chem, you know, chemist warehouse sort of thing. But I don't... And I roast chicken. I give her that a couple of times a week. Um, okay, but not I, not the classical historical sort of she didn't get into the bin and eat all the bacon scraps or oh God, no, nothing like God. that. No, okay. Definitely not. Yeah, look, the... The, one of the most common reasons why dogs get pancreatitis is from eating a fatty meal, okay? But it is by no means the only reason that dogs get pancreatitis. Um, it's not uncommon to have a dog present like yours, Leanne, where there's no history of having fatty foods. Uh, there's no history of getting into the garbage bin. Sometimes these things just happen. Um, certainly moving forward, once a dog has had one bout of pancreatitis, they are at a higher risk of having another bout. So it is really important long term to make sure they are on a specific low fat diet. So it might actually be, Leanne, that you need to make dietary changes moving forward much more so than you thought so, yeah, as you mentioned, there's probably essentially nothing really too wrong with what you were feeding before, but it, from now on you are going to have to be much more strict with what you feed the dog. So do you know if they've, you know, the, the smacko sticks and stuff that you, you know, that they have their kind of treat, mm-hmm. are, they, are they bad for them or could they, that be causing her any, you know, tummy upsets and stuff like that? Or Look, Leanne, there's something I would never personally recommend to anybody. Um, I think there are much, A, more nutritious and B, less processed um, treats out there. So definitely okay. have, a, have a chat to your vet about appropriate treats to give and appropriate sort of dry and wet foods um, moving forward. But um, how's your dog doing? She's very, she's still listless. She's not 100%. You know, Is she back home with still- you? We're just on our way home now, actually. We've been away since last Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's, um, yeah, I, uh, we've just been, the doctor vet said to give us some roast chicken. So we just got a chicken from Woolworths. And yep. She's been having a little bit of that. But that's all basically I've given her since Monday. So she's really had hardly much to eat, you know, like about a breast of chicken in a week, basically. She's... Because she had no appetite for yeah. you know, a number of days. Yeah. But she's slowly wanting to eat. But how long do I 
keep giving her little bit, like just little meals or? Look, small meals frequently and definitely, definitely low fat. So, you, you know, your chicken breast, um, no yeah. skin, no bones, yeah. all that sort of thing. Um Slowly but surely, I would expect her appetite to improve. There are formulations, dietary formulations, specifically for um, pancreatitis cases or low-fat cases, which are more balanced long-term than just your barbecue chicken. So I gather that's sort of where you're going. You know, you want to be doing the best thing for her diet-wise. Yeah, so once, once you get home... Maybe give your give your regular vet a phone call and ask what they stock in terms of um, long term food for her. And best okay. of luck. Okay, and just the dry biscuits. Are they okay for her to have? Or yeah, as long as it as long as it is a low fat formulation. Okay, best of luck, Leanne. Four nine two one six two one six. If uh, you have a question for our pet chat team today, uh, we've got a couple of minutes left for you. And Cheryl, very shortly, we might let sent, let you loose. All right, let me loose. <laughs> Who let right. the dogs out? <laughs> pet chat at two in URFM one hundred three point seven. G'day, Todd at Georgetown. Your dog has hives, apparently. Todd, what's the story, mate? Oh, I just can't. Um, I just can't work out why she gets them. She eats the best food. She um, I try all the good shampoos. How long has she been having them for, Todd? Oh, probably about, I've had it for almost two years, and mm-hmm. probably about the last 12 months. And is it all the time that she has them? Yeah, you can't get rid of them. Sometimes they sort of go down, and the next time you, you see them in the morning and they're, they're all back up again. So what percentage of time are we talking, like 90% of her life she's got them, or 10%? Yeah. What would you say? I'd say 90%. Yeah. And where are they mainly, Todd? Oh, just all over all over body, yeah. And is she irritated and itchy by them? Oh, she, she has the odd scratch, but um, she doesn't really scratch that much, but she has the odd one. Mm-hmm. And I, I've got the best shampoos to, for all this sort of sensitive skin and everything like that, but mm-hmm. I, just can't, um, I just can't seem to get rid of them. Okay. Got, How old is she, Todd? She's almost two. Okay. Have you taken a foot to the vet for it at all yet? Yeah, the, the vet just said to um, just keep an eye on them. That's all they said. Like it's, it's, and they, they end up having little scabs on them. Like I don't know why, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you give her a bath and you give her a good scrub, sometimes you get the odd one that bleeds. Okay, but, okay. Um, yeah. And are they getting worse, staying, getting better, or staying the same when she has them? No, they just they, they just sort of stay the same. They're... Mm-hmm. Um, one day they're good, and mm-hmm. I think, oh, God, I've got the right shampoo, or, you know, I'm giving her the right food. But, mm-hmm. And the next day you wake up and, you, and she's at the back and she's just, um, we're just there again, you know, because. Has, did the vet suggest any medications or anything to you? Only um, antihistamines. Okay. Did, were they successful or you didn't didn't try them? No, yeah, I've tried them, yeah. They, they, they sort of like... Um, Oh, they, they sort of work and then they don't work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, look, uh, antihistamines in dogs are a bit of a um, not always successful. The stats are something like 10 to 15% of the time they'll work in dogs and the rest of the time they won't work. Uh, so I would definitely be suggesting to go back to your vet whether it's the same vet, whether it's a different vet, to see if there's something more appropriate that we can give to her uh, to help her because it's not normal for that to happen. And um, I would definitely suggest that we try and help her 
in any way that we can. Because I do think, I mean, imagine yourself if you had hives. It would be um, quite irritating, I think. So, yeah, I, I would recommend, Todd, that you um, that you take her into the vet um, yeah. and see if there's something else you can try. Thanks very much. No worries. Have a good day. All right, uh, Todd, best of luck with everything there as we head to Rutherford and Greg. Uh, good afternoon, Greg. How can we help you today? Well, I was just listening to um, Pet Chat and I was thinking of that girl, Leanne. Yeah. I I have a little shit too, and I did feed a barbecue chicken once. And, uh, you know, the way it's cooked is fat on fat on fat as it goes around and around. I give Molly um, breast chicken and I cook it in my turbo air pot or oven. Mm-hmm. And then the other meal is a prawns dog food, which is very low in fat and it's just, well, natural, really natural. Yeah, you got, I mean, you bang on the money, Greg, in terms of how they cook the chicken makes a big difference. The reason we often bandy around, I guess, barbecue chicken as an option for people is it's easy for them. Yeah, and right. we're looking for an option for people at the last minute when they are being discharged from the vet, feed your dog chicken, and they're like, oh, I don't have chicken. So, all right, we'll go, off you go, go and find a barbecue chicken. But you're right, cooking it in a way with less oil or um, with less additives is absolutely the way to go. Sitting over here hungry. Thanks for your <laughs> Are you sure? No barbecue you? chicken for lunch. Greg sounds like he's a good cook up there. Oh, well, the, dog, the dog's eating better than we are. That's, that's fine. All right. Um, our dog and cat of the week, and we'll start with the dog this time around. Your chance to adopt the eight-week border uh, collie cross known as Paddy. Um things with these particular type of animal, make sure you've got a 50-foot high fence and to work back from there. <laughs> Look, I mean, Border Collie Cross Puppy, obviously you're looking at a dog that's high energy, that needs lots of training, um, but at eight weeks old, the world's your oyster. Mm. You know, you can mould him to be the most amazingly wonderful family pet. Gorgeous dog, we'll say that much. So super cute, super cute. But, yeah, in a, in he's still in this um, really critical um, developmental stage where he can get used to um, different things in his environment and cope really well with change. So, yeah, just typical puppy really, you know. I mean, he's going to want to – chase feet and chew shoes and, you know, but that's, yeah, that's par for the course. But, no, he's cute, got plenty of potential for the right family. Yeah, or at least it's not chase shoes and chew feet, I suppose. Well, that also happens. <laughs> other way around. Um, and, and, in fact, I mean, he is a gorgeous dog. In fact, Fiona chipped me before we came on. She wanted to read the information and I just had the picture of Paddy on the screen. What do you reckon, Cheryl? That's a nice little Very screensaver. Very cute. Absolutely gorgeous. Make a lovely pet. All right, let's scroll down to Poppy is the cat. Um, and again, a, a very interactive cat with a family, loves people, loves to cuddle up alongside you as well. Um, again, suitable as a uh, home cat, as, as the only pet as well. Doesn't like uh, dogs and not a fan of cats at her uh, foster home. So again, she's a one-off, yeah. one only. Yeah, and she'll give lots of loving. Beautiful big she's eyes. She's cute. Yeah. I like her. Yes. All right, if you uh, would like to learn a little bit more about Poppy the cat, Patty the dog, uh, you can head up to the Pet Chat page at 2NURFM.com.au and add a pet to your family. Otherwise, Cheryl will have to take the dog. Oh, I can't <laughs> take any more. <clears throat> All full at my place. <laughs> and hear David saying, not bloody likely, is yeah. what we can hear. Yeah. <laughs> um, ladies, we've got a few minutes left. So, um, Fiona, anything that's been sort of happening, you're seeing a lot of at the moment in the uh, veterinary clinics? 
All right, uh, thanks for coming well, in. Love. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was interesting actually talking about the pancreatitis one. They're, you know, we always see pancreatitis cases. Um, they very often present with vomiting and ab- abdominal pain, really lethargic. Um, so that's not really a seasonal thing, but it's mm-hmm. something that we do see quite regularly. Um, always keeping up to date with your flea and tick preventions at this time of year uh, is a no-brainer. Prevention costs a lot less than yeah. treatment and that it can be fatal. So treat your pets for ticks. Yep, and just watch those Easter buns. They're out at the moment as well. So, you know, those raisins and things in those Easter buns. Yes. Oh, and you sure will get that last word yep. in. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right, so fried chicken and hot cross buns. Now I'm, now I'm starving. <laughs> It's lunchtime. It is. Close enough to lunchtime, yeah. All right, going to give you an early mark out of here. So, as always, Dr. Fiona, thank you. Welcome back My to pleasure. 324. My pleasure. Yeah, I'm excited to be back. And liar and also... <laughs> no, I am. I love answering people's questions. Oh, no, that part you like, you have to do with me. You're not a fan of that. Of course I am. Cheryl Shaw, a pleasure. As always, we'll see you next week as well. Thank you, Mark. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.